Hey, this is Pastor David. Thanks for plugging in today. I believe that this word from God will encourage you, challenge you, and help direct you toward your destiny. A new commandment I give unto you, Jesus said, that you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and understanding, and that you love your neighbor as yourself. Let's get right into the word. There's no one like our God, no one at all. Gave his son for us, Jesus the Lord. Who can love us like he does? No one at all. Oh, how we love you, Lord. Hey, everyone. Pastor T here with Pastor David of Strong Tower Church. Hello, friends and family. We're here diving deeper into his series on judgment that he's been bringing to Strong Tower. We're talking about the third portion of that called Judgment Has Boundaries. If you haven't listened to it, go back on YouTube or copy and paste the link um, that you'll find in the description and go listen to the meaty goodness and richness that it is. I'm telling you guys, get a pencil out, get a notebook out. You will be taking notes and then come back and listen as we as we go into this a little further. Now, Pastor David, thank you for being here and, and letting us pick your brain a little. Of course. And for our listeners, uh, just know that the sound booth is aware of the sound issues that are happening on YouTube. <laughs> so if you if you wait like 24 hours, we try to get an updated version of the message with a with better sound quality and uh, we're, we're starting to get all figured out. So appreciate everybody's patience with, with that process. <laughs> Thank you for dealing with our technical difficulties. Now, Pastor Dave, as Christians, we need to be discerning. Yeah, that's true. We need to be able to take a stand and we need to be able to say, this is right or this is wrong. Yeah, you should be able to do that boldly and confidently. We need to be able to make wise decisions and help our friends and family to also make wise decisions. You bet. As Christians, we should judge, and we should judge wisely. Yes. Our Christianity and even our lives depend on it. They do. In the message, we learn that judging someone based on issues of morality doesn't define them. It defines you. It defines me. Can you dive a little deeper into that? How does this define me? Yeah, when, when we judge somebody, it really does instead show us where we are the things that are important to us, the things that we value, the things we look at and we say, oh, I wouldn't behave that way. Mm. I, I view that as wrong behavior. Mm -hmm. But that judgment actually doesn't define them. And that's especially obvious when you don't vocalize your judgment. You're not actually telling that person that you've judged them, but silently in your heart or in your mind, you've judged that person and decided, okay, that's not the way I'm going to live, right? Maybe it's something as simple as uh, somebody's choice of clothing, and you're like, oh, that doesn't look good. Okay. I'm not going to use that clothing. So that didn't define them. Right. It defines you. Like, I don't like the way that color looks. I'm not going to wear that color, mm -hmm. right? And so that's, that's a simple one. I know that's kind of an oversimplification, uh -huh. but it, it works that way right on down into the, to the thick stuff. When, when I judge somebody... It really isn't defining them. It really is defining me. I like that. Just kind of a litmus test to show, like, this is where I'm at. Mm -hmm. How is judging someone based on issues of morality, how is that helpful to my walk? It will not only help to define where you stand morally, but it will actually, in fact, help your moral stand. And we need to be people of strong conviction, 
Uh, we can't be like wishy-washy Christians or have our head in the sand and be like, ah, well, whatever happens, happens. I'm good. You know, whatever happens with the world happens. We can't live that way. That's not a loving way to live. It's not a, a biblical way to live. And when we judge someone based on issues of morality, it can actually kind of course correct my my morality. When we see things demonstrated on somebody else, we can actually go, oh, that's how that looks. I remember um, when we were really young, you probably remember too, we spent a lot of time working at a bar mm-hmm. in downtown Denver. And I realized very quickly, uh, first of all, how ugly it looked when people had too much to drink. Oh, man. And the second thing I realized was how little alcohol it took to make people act differently mm-hmm. than they normally act. So some people say, well, you know, the Bible says not to get drunk, so I'm going to just drink until I don't get drunk. Um, well, first of all, you, you have to break that rule before you can figure out where you're, where you're going to be drunk. So there's already a problem there. And it takes much, much less than, than you might think, uh, at least in my experience, it takes much, much less alcohol than, than people think in order for them to end up in some kind of altered state of mind. And so when I make those judgments, when I can look and see that, I can go, oh, man, is that how that looks? And it actually helps me to change my... It goes right hand in hand with what we just talked about, about how judging somebody else defines me. Mm-hmm. So the same, same is true. When I judge somebody based on, on moral truths, it can help me to make my own set of personal convictions about where, where my path to holiness lies. I want to pick your brain a little bit because you talked about this in your message a little bit, and, and I wrote this down because I knew I wanted to ask you this, okay? So I wrote, I am not perfect, what right do I have to judge other imperfect people? Why is it okay? Why is it okay for me, an imperfect person, to judge another imperfect person? Can you expound on that a little yeah, for us? It's a really good question. First of all, the qualification to judge is not perfection. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing that you need to understand. The, the second thing is that the, what the qualifications actually are. And the qualifications are for, first of all, those who are spiritual. Mm-hmm. And that is those who are born again those who have a living spirit of God living and dwelling inside of them. And that uh, when the Bible says those who are spiritual among you, that word spiritual actually, it's not just the born again. It actually has uh, like a hint toward mature believers. So not just somebody who just, okay, I'm a day old Christian. I just got born again. But somebody who's actually spent time in the process of mind renewal hmm. and spent time becoming mature. So hmm. that's that's the first person who's who's qualified uh, that person also should be practiced in humility. That is somebody who understands that there is a plank in their own eye, that right. they're well aware that what's going on in their own life is should be much a greater concern to them than what's happening in somebody else's eye. It's not that what's happening in somebody else's life isn't a concern. It's just that you should be more concerned with that big plank in your own eye rather than that little one, which might be big in somebody else's eye. But for the sake of boundaries, it's what's going on in your life is, is amplified. Yours is the bigger deal. Right. And, and the last qualification is that we would approach it with a spirit of gentleness, which with both humility and gentleness require a certain sense of maturity. Mm-hmm. First of all, you have, you have to be born again and, and spiritually mature. And the specific areas that you should be mature in are humility and gentleness. And that's what qualifies you. So so perfection is never part of the qualification process. God's not like, hey, once you become perfect, 
And this is why Jesus didn't ever tell us how to remove that plank from our eye. Because I, I honestly, I think he didn't tell us because it's not even possible to remove the plank from our eye in a permanent sense. So the, the, it wasn't, Jesus's goal wasn't like, okay, I want a bunch of plankless people. It was, I want a, a bunch of humble people who understand how to walk in, in gentleness. Wow. And it really pulls on me to exercise grace. Amen. You can never, look, Pastor Tanya, you, you can never give enough grace. Truth. Okay, that, like, that's just like the, it's, it's real easy. It's like, you know, you can never have enough of mama's apple pie. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you, there's no such thing. You can't, there isn't a plate big enough. You know, she lined up five pies, you can't have enough of it. This is the same, same is true. Mm-hmm. You, you can never apply enough grace to a situation. You're never going to go wrong. Mm-hmm. It's never, if, as long as you're following truth and love, it's never going to be like, oh, I accidentally gave this person too much grace <laughs> and this, this bad thing happened. Right. It's not something that you'll regret. Exactly. Extending grace. Yes. Now in the message, you gave us four boundaries regarding our judgment toward the world and non-Christians. Mm-hmm. They were these things. You must judge, avoid double standards, confine judgments to matters that are not in dispute, and judge the action not the motive. Sounds like you got them memorized. Right. So we're going to talk a little bit more about number three, which was to confine judgment to matters that are not in dispute. Right. That's kind of fancy talk. It really is. And it took me a minute, but you explained it well. And you explained it by showing the difference between what's a biblical absolute and what is a personal conviction. Yeah. Which I thought, wow, that is, that is huge. If, if we could just get a hold of this. So can you just lay out for us a little bit about how can we avoid judging others based on personal convictions? Like, what does that look like? What, what's the difference? And, and what does that mean? First of all, I think it's important that we understand what personal convictions are. Mm-hmm. So we, we have these biblical absolutes, these black and white issues that the Bible says, this is exactly what I expect. This is sin. Right. Um, here's your boundaries. Don't partake in X, Y, or Z, whatever those things are. There's a bunch of them. Right. Plenty. But there's also a ton of freedom mm-hmm. in, in, in between, in between those boundaries. Look, Jesus came to set us free. It was freedom's sake that he set us free. He wants us to be free. Right. But he wants us to be free within his boundaries. Mm-hmm. And his boundaries are quite wide. There's a lot more room there than, than we could have ever imagined. But we have this within us, within, within humanity. One of the failings of, of humanity in sin nature is we have this bend toward religion. We have a bend toward religiosity and a legalistic spirit. Mm-hmm. And if we don't resist this urge, and we should, right. Christians should be quite on purpose resisting this urge because it's in us. And if we don't resist us, it will, it will overtake us. I've heard people say that I would rather lean. Um, I would rather kind of fall off on the side of religion than fall off on the side of sin. But either way you fall off, right? Either, either way is falling off. Either <laughs> way is, that statement is religious. Exactly. That, that statement is steeped in, in religious type legalism. Like yes. it, it puts you squarely into the works category. Yeah. And you're just as far off the mark. Absolutely. You're just as far off the mark. So if we don't resist the urge 
toward the religious spirit, we become twisted Christians, mm-hmm. like you talked about in, in your, your message just a couple weeks ago. So, man, I would encourage our listeners to go back and, and check that out if, if you haven't yet. But, but twisted Christians do something very, very sinister. Twisted Christians will actually manipulate their personal convictions to look like biblical absolutes so that they can impose their will on other people. Wow. Yeah, it's crazy. And actually, it's the Bible calls that the sin of witchcraft. Yeah, manipulation. Right? Yeah, when you're trying to manipulate somebody to have power over them, when you're manipulating somebody, we see this a lot with helicopter moms, mm. always trying to like manipulate their kids and like, oh, is that what you want to get caught doing when Jesus comes back? And, <laughs> you know, they, or say like, oh, is that is that really how God would act? Is that really, you know, and mm-hmm. maybe they're right. Maybe they're wrong. And, and, you know, I'm not I'm not coming down on Look, I, I love Bible believing moms and dads, you know, so you don't don't take that the wrong way. Get, get out there and start influencing your kids. You know what I mean? Train them up and they'll they'll follow. Just train them, train them up right and they'll follow. But the point is that this this unhinged religious spirit will actually take something that's really good, something mm-hmm. that the Holy Spirit gave you that was really, really good, and twist it and manipulate it and try to use that to force other people to have power over other people. And it's actually this sin of witchcraft. And here's here's a few easy, really easy examples. Let's see if any of these if that any of these ring a bell. Smoking is a sin because your body is a temple. <laughs> Okay. Matter of fact, your body is a temple. It has been probably the the most twisted scripture as far as getting people to act and behave the way that you want them to behave, mm-hmm. the way that you think that, that they should behave, what you think is right. Those are see you, you, you. Those are personal convictions. Yeah. Those are things that you decided. Here's another one. Looking attractive is a sin because men are visual beings. Oh. I know, right? Gag me, this right? Makes like me sick. Yeah. Yeah. Pastor Tanya's got her finger in her mouth, you know, like, <laughs> spit, <laughs> spit that one out. Like, like it just gives no room for personal accountability. Right. Like, yeah, men, we are visual beings. So you'd better get right. Yeah. You, you'd better figure out how to manage that thing because we are visual creatures and we have to be able to be who we are and not thrown off by some woman who dressed in, you know. Here's the thing about this, which is really bizarre, is I remember talking to, like, I got lots of friends at the at the gym, right? And sometimes these girls will, um, first of all, don't hit on people at the gym. Nobody's at the gym to get hit on, right? Like, Just there to work maybe, out. Maybe man. some gyms are meat markety, but ours certainly is not. Everybody is there to work out. Everybody's right. got their game face on. And so the, the friends that I have at the gym that are female definitely do not appreciate right. when, when guys are, are hitting on them or, you know, like, let me spot for you or oh. whatever. They don't appreciate that, no. right? So, but what's funny is... You know, we'll be sitting there talking. They'll be like, I was in my gym gear and I didn't have my makeup on and my hair was all a mess. And this guy came in and hit on me and she was all like surprised about that. And here's what I try to explain to these ladies. Guys are genetically predisposed to thinking women are attractive. Mm -hmm. And so whatever state you're in, whatever (laughs) condition you are in, that's going to be exactly what another guy finds, some other guy finds attractive, (laughs) whether it's dressed up or dressed down or anywhere in between. So don't be surprised if, if somebody finds you attractive. So again, this is my point, guys. This is our burden to bear, not the woman. Now, women have a responsibility. You mm-hmm. you know what you're doing. You you know when you go out there and you're being, you know, super flirty or wearing that that outfit that you know is going to catch somebody's eye. So so you guys have that 
responsibility to bear. But to say that you, that looking attractive is a sin because men are visual beings is a blatant misrepresentation of the scriptures. That that is a blatant misuse of what God is saying, this this biblical truth that God is saying about um, adorning yourself by being a, a woman who loves the Lord, who's gentle and quiet and, and you know, submissive and full of filled with prayer and like those kind of things. Those, those are the things that God desires. But to say that um, you have to, to dull down your beauty because men are visual beings is a misuse. It's a twisted use uh, right. of scripture. Here, here's another one. Drinking alcohol is a sin because you're altering your mind. And I really wanted to say this because I, I had talked about, I talked about that earlier, like mm-hmm. how little alcohol it takes to alter your mind. But the fact is, God says that, look, even if you don't like alcohol, you should drink a little wine, at least for the sake of your stomach, like medicinally. Mm. You know, the word says that. It says we're all supposed to be sober. Right. Right. None of us are supposed to be drunk. It says that leaders shouldn't be lovers of alcohol. But if you take those things, those those three biblical absolutes that I just threw out there, there's like a ton of freedom in there. Oh, absolutely. So what we really have to do is resist this urge toward the religious spirit. And the best way to avoid this behavior is simply remaining silent where the Bible is silent. Mm. Don't speak for God where he hasn't spoken. And it's the voice of the Holy Spirit that fills in the blank for those individuals. And that's the part that really rubs religious people wrong. Right. Is they th- want a how-to, one, two, three. You have to trust the Holy Spirit within another individual to lead and guide them into their own set of personal convictions and understand that their personal convictions might not look anything like your personal convictions. I really like that. My marriage doesn't look like a lot of my friends' marriage, but my marriage is a good marriage, and their marriage is a good marriage. So it can be different and still be good, the relationships. Pastor Dave, what are some ways that I can keep from giving in to the spirit of religion and legalism? It is so sneaky. It is so sneaky. So can you give us ways that Jess can, you know, hook a, hook a sister up? Yeah, that could, that could actually be on the list. What you just said, Pastor T, that, that could be on the list, that, it, that it's sneaky. Yeah. It, it is. It is a very sneaky spirit, and, and we have to be careful. Matter of fact, um, before we came into senior leadership, we met with uh, Prophet Gary Bergen, who was on his deathbed at the time, and yeah. some of his dying words was a warning to us. Uh, at first, he was just, I, he was so blessed. He's he like, I, I'm so nice over us. Yeah, I'm so grateful that the Lord was able to, that the Lord kept me alive long enough. That's what he said, <laughs> to, to see you guys be installed into senior leadership. Oh, precious man. Yeah, and he talked about revival and how it's going to start in, in, in this region, right, in the Casper region. And, the fire. Um, yep, and just watching that thing spread first. It was going to spread east to west and then and north to south. And he said, but beware. Yes, but beware. And so what he was saying is, hey, this is the plan. The Lord's got a plan for you, but you could disrupt that plan. He said, beware of the religious spirit and the traditions of man. Yeah. That was like the the major warning we got before we came up here. Oh, so, yeah. And we've taken that seriously. Yeah. And I've thought about it a lot. So I, I wish I'm, I'm going to add what you just said to my list of how to avoid this, this spirit. And that is that he's sneaky. So I have to be on guard for this mm-hmm. sneaky spirit. But we, we must beware of religion and the traditions of man. And and to me, that's that's the first or second, if we take yours, <laughs> he's, he's sneaky. Um, but just beware. 
be alert, be on guard, be vigilant, be looking, be alert, have your eyes open to it, be looking for it. Don't, don't be ignorant about it. Don't wait for it to just splash up in your face and be like, oops, there it is. We, we want to, we want to beware. We want to know that it's there. Second one would be to know why you believe what you believe. God is not afraid of your questions. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast and you're part of Strong Tower, you know that Pastor Tanya and I are not afraid of your questions. Mm -hmm. If you belong to a church, maybe you're a listener who belongs to another church and your pastor does not like or appreciate to be questioned, you should really have that conversation with, with him or her and, and never be afraid to ask questions. God's not afraid of our questions. Your pastor shouldn't be afraid of your questions. It's so important to know why you believe what you believe Amen. so that you're not just saying, oh, this is what they teach at my church, or this is what my pastor teaches, or this is what my friend told me. Like you need to know why you believe what you believe. And if you don't know that, like I get it. Maybe you're just like, you know what? I just, I trust my pastor. And as a pastor, I can tell you, I appreciate the trust, but, but I would never let you off the hook with, oh, you just appreciate me. We're constantly, Pastor Tanya and I are constantly telling our congregation to get into their word yeah. and to prove this word. Everything you hear on a Sunday, you should be writing down those uh, scripture references that we show you on the board. Mm -hmm. You should be looking them up for yourself during the week and and proving this thing and 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 not not uh, not to in an effort to disprove somebody, but just to show that God is who He says He is, and His word can be proven by by rightly dividing the truth and. Again, if you just take it on faith, if you just like, well, this is what my pastor says and I believe it, that is an inroad for a religious spirit. That's an mm -hmm. inroad for a tradition of man to appear in your life. In order to fortify your belief, you must know why you believe what you believe so that you can keep that spirit from coming through one of those open doorways. The next one would be to create relationships that you care too much to lose. Create relationships that you care about too much to lose. And I don't mean that uh, you'll, you're never going to have to sever any ties. You know, you should know which which bridges to build, which ones to break, and which ones to burn. Mm -hmm. And that's that's just a reality uh, of this life. You know, successful people are going to be around successful people. And, you know, I want to be a successful Christian. I want to surround myself with successful Christians. Mm -hmm. uh, so, th so that's good. So I'm not saying that we, we'll never have to sever a tie with somebody, but you, you should correct people, you know, speaking about judgment, you know, we should bring judgment with the intent of preserving the relationship and not destroying the relationship. Mm, absolutely. So if I'm doing that in an effort to preserve the relationship, I'm going to be very, very careful, Pastor T. I'm going to be very careful about how I talk to this person, about the words that I choose, knowing that what I am saying, I am saying on purpose to better our situation and not worsen it. Mm. And I can only do that if I've created a relationship that I care too much about yeah. to lose. I don't want to lose this friendship with you. I don't want to lose this relationship with you. And because of that, I'm going to handle this very, very gently. Mm. I'm going to handle it with honor and I'm going to handle it with respect. And the last one I would say, and, and, and probably above all, is if the Bible is silent about an issue, you should remain silent about the issue. If somebody asks you, we get this all the time, don't we, Pastor T? When somebody says, hey, I know the Bible is silent about this issue. What do you think about it? Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts about it? So I think that's, that's a real healthy approach is to first acknowledge the fact that, hey, this is coming from the realm of my opinion. Mm -hmm. This isn't coming from the realm of biblical absolute. The Bible is silent about it, but the Lord has given me wisdom that you can trust 
here's what I would suggest that you take to prayer. This is what I think about it, and you should take this to prayer. And and then you you make sure that you approach that situation very, very carefully. Mm-hmm. I like how you said that. This is what you should take to prayer instead of this is what you should do. Because what the Lord directs you, you have the understanding that he might direct them in a different way. And that's okay. Thank you so much for your time and for letting us just pick your brain a little bit more. This is from Pastor Dave's series on judgment, part three, judgment has boundaries. Go back on YouTube or copy and paste the link and and make sure you watch that and just get it in you. Um, help you to live a healthy and happy and successful Christian life and walk in power in the Lord. We love you listeners, and we will catch up with you soon. Thanks again for listening. Without your faithful support, we wouldn't be able to do the work that God has called us to. If you know someone who would be blessed by what you just heard, please pass this along. At Strong Towers, we believe that you are a unique expression of God's love and creativity, and we consider it an honor to be a part of your journey. There's no one like our God, no one at all. Gave His Son for us, Jesus the Lord. And who can love us like He does? No. One